0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Last week we discussed why it's so important to understand what you want and what you don't want in life and talk through some strategies to hear your own wisdom and begin to decipher what those things might be for you. But I also mentioned that those of us who come from high demand religion and families may struggle with knowing what we want and need because we were taught to place the wants and needs of others above our own. We were taught to suppress our own wills and instead want and do what God, through the interpretation of our church leaders and parents, wants us to do. We may have been taught that some or all of our emotions were sinful or unsafe, and that they were a doorway for the devil to enter our hearts, and that we couldn't trust them because they were part of our imperfect and sinful flesh. And because we were being raised in a system full of people who are taught to distrust their own emotions and wills and feelings inside of their body, and instead listen to outside authority, we were raised by people who often didn't have the tools to help us as children recognize and regulate our own emotions, nor validate and comfort us when we were in distress. And today we're going to be talking about this experience and how it affects us as adults, which is known in the world of psychology as childhood emotional neglect. In this episode, I want to help you understand what childhood emotional neglect is and how it's affecting your ability to hear and understand and give yourself the things you want and need. In the next episode, we'll begin talking about how we can heal the childhood part of ourselves that still needs to be heard and supported and comforted and validated emotionally so that we can relax into letting us experience our wants and needs without judgment and fear. And this is gonna be a big part of allowing ourselves to reclaim our own authority and create lives that feel good to us, that feel tailor-made for our own experience. Now, this discussion has been influenced highly by people who have been over on the Facebook group. We've been having discussions that really helped me clarify what I wanted to talk about today. If you're not a part of that, head on over. I'm asking questions to help me really create podcasts that are going to be useful and helpful to you. And this week is our first live discussion on Wednesday. So Wednesday's at 6:30 p.m. Mountain Time. We're going to be having live discussions where we really dig into these podcast episodes, apply them in real time, problem solve, troubleshoot. If you want to bring up questions from past podcast episodes, you can do that too. Or if you have insights or research or things that you want to share, I welcome other experts, other researchers, other people who are interested in this stuff, sharing their expertise as well. I by no means want to. You know, hog the spotlight. I am more than happy to share it with everyone so that we can all learn together. Because, like I said, I am on this path with you. I'm healing and learning and growing just like all of you. And am happy to learn from you. We learn quicker together. Thank you for everyone that has added to this podcast today because what came up this week was cognitively, we understand that we need to know what we want. And there were many of you that were like, there is a piece of me that understands it's okay for me to have wants, to have needs. It's okay for me to be human and to need support, to need help, to need care and comfort and connection. And yet there is a part of you that is really pushing back against that. And there's a few really good reasons that you may struggle to acknowledge what you want and need to yourself even now and feel comfortable sharing those things with others. This is actually a really common problem for those healing from the effects of high demand religion. I mean, if you think about the systems that we came from, there was an authoritarian leader, whether that was a benevolent authoritarian leader or a not so benevolent one, there was a lot of mind control. That happened, which meant that our emotions were controlled. It meant that our thoughts were controlled. And these are all the parts of ourselves that are part of wanting and needing things, part of being individuals. And so that individual part of us was kind of squashed. And this can happen in our families, on top of in our religion. Sometimes our families are influenced by the religion, and sometimes our families would have been that way with or without the high demand religion and maybe just the religion was attractive because of the family dynamic anyway but anytime we come from high demand systems whether they are religious or cultural or you know familial the individual emotions and thoughts and beliefs and ideas and critical thinking all those things have to be squashed in order to get us to conform so it makes so much sense That we would be struggling with figuring out what we want and need. In fact, here are some of the comments I've gotten from the Facebook group as well as just from listeners and clients over the past two years. Anytime there's a comment that really hits me and is profound to me or really, I think, encapsulates a common issue that many of us have, I like screenshot them and keep them in a folder for myself so I can ponder and think about them. And here are some of the comments that were really profound to me for this episode. One person on the Facebook group said, I'm so used to my wants being unacceptable. And now it feels like there are two opposing versions of me in my head at war with one another. And several people said that that is what they're experiencing and it feels overwhelming and it almost... It's so tempting to throw your hands up and just be like, I'm done. It is too emotionally taxing. It feels like I'm at war with myself and it's so uncomfortable. I just want to give up. There was someone else that says, I think it was just easier for me to convince myself I didn't have any wants or needs because then I wasn't disappointed when they weren't met. Another listener said, being a people pleaser, I didn't want to cause any waves. Another person said, I don't know what I should want. That is a huge thing. We've been given a roadmap our entire lives. We've been told what we should want and what we should do and what God wants for us. And we have bent our will, our wants, our likes and needs to what we've been told is okay. Another person said, when I try to express what I want or need, I feel guilty for being selfish. It's like I'm only allowed to express my wants or needs after I've met everyone else's. But their needs never stop and mine are never heard. Another person said, I don't want to be needy. So I just stopped having needs. I don't know if any of you listening were told that you were needy or you were too much or you were too dramatic. So you just stopped having emotions, stopped having needs, stopped having wants and desires and stop sharing those with other people because you were told that it was too much, that you were too needy. I don't deserve anything, so I don't let myself want anything. This one just really cut to my core. I know what that feels like to feel like I don't deserve good things. I don't deserve to have my needs met. Because one of the messages we get when our needs are not heard or validated is that we're not worthy of having our needs heard or validated. And so we feel like we don't deserve to have people help us or support us or comfort us. We don't deserve to even meet our own needs. And the last person said, if I say what I need, if I dare to express what I really want, I'll end up alone. I just know they'll think what I want is too much hassle and they'll leave. And I think for many of us, admitting our wants and our needs out loud feels really scary because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of abandonment. So we just keep those things silent and quiet. And as I was listening to these comments and compiling them and really getting curious about them, I was thinking about some articles I read just a few months ago about childhood emotional neglect. And I had kind of just stored that away for a while thinking, you know, we might get to that later. We had just talked a lot about narcissism and I was really into researching about narcissism and childhood emotional neglect kept coming up. And this year, I was like, oh, I'm not going to get into so much of the narcissism and the childhood emotional neglect because there were some of you who told me that you're tired of talking about dark and heavy things and you want to talk about light things. But here's the thing. We live in a paradox of light and shadow. And the shadow informs the light. I was a photographer, a wedding photographer for 10 years. There is no photography without dark, and light. The dark informs the light and defines it. The light informs the dark. They kind of go hand in hand. So we're going to have to talk about both. So those of you who are like we're talking about emotional neglect, if you don't want to listen, it's okay. You can turn it off. You can walk away. Come back when you feel like you can emotionally handle it. Let me help you write yourself a permission slip right now. I'm going to take this responsibility off of my shoulders because you know me, I'm still healing as a people pleaser. There's still part of me that feels like I need to emotionally care for every single person that's listening to this and I am healing that part of me. But I want you to give yourself permission that if we're ever talking about something that feels emotionally heavy, like something you can't handle right now, something that you know, you just need a break from, you are allowed to take breaks. You do not have to constantly be growing to be worthy of love and belonging. You are worthy right now, even if you never, ever change. You might not get all the things you want. The work we're doing is about getting you more of what you want. By understanding what's going on so that you can heal it, so you can get more of what you want. But at any time, you're allowed to be like, you know what? I need a break and I'm just going to be for a while. That gets to be okay. So I'm giving that responsibility back to you because I just noticed it right now as I am here on air with you all that I think there's a little bit of codependency here where I feel responsible to like make sure that I'm not giving you more than you can handle, but I'm giving that responsibility back to you if this feels like something you're not ready for. Put it away for a while. It will be here for you when you're ready for it. It's going to be here years from now. Listen to yourself. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're just feeling like, I don't want to listen to this today. Remember, hearing what you don't want is a great cue to what you do want. Really listen to those I don't want. It's going to help you get closer to what you do want. So if you're listening to this and being like, I do not want to talk about childhood emotional neglect today, listen to that. That's valid. Give it what it wants. Give it a break. It's okay. You can meet your own needs. You can listen to your likes and dislikes, your wants and don't wants, and you can meet your needs. And then later, if you're like, you know what? I think I do want to go listen about emotional neglect in my childhood, then come on back. It'll still be here. Okay. That was a little sidetrack, but. I think that's really important because so many of us who experience childhood emotional neglect, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of us who come from high demand religions did experience this to some degree or another. We often feel responsible for other people's emotions and we get into those people pleasing sort of codependency places because that's what we did to survive as children. So please listen to yourself. I'm listening to myself, and we are going to move forward. Now, a lot of those comments that I was hearing really reminded me of the things I was reading about childhood emotional neglect. And it's really common for people to be out of touch with themselves, to be focused on the needs of others, and to be disconnected from what they want or need for many different reasons that we're going to talk about today. But I want to clarify that childhood emotional neglect is not necessarily emotional abuse. So it can be, but it often isn't. Emotional abuse is often intentional. So emotional neglect can become abusive when a parent like intentionally ignores and disregards a child's feelings. Like they're completely, they're conscious that you need something and they give you the opposite or they mock you for it or they just ignore that you have the need and pretend like it just, isn't happening. But more often than not, I find that parents, because of their own lack of emotional intelligence, they just may not recognize your emotional needs and/or they might not know how to help you navigate those feelings. So because their own emotions are uncomfortable or unrecognizable to them, they aren't able to pass on those skills to us. This is even true for parents to so like give us so much. I had Parents that did so many amazing things. They made sure that I was in good schools. They made sure that I had help with homework. They made sure that I, you know, got to participate in activities like cheerleading and, you know, auto mechanics and debate and dance and choir and singing. I mean, they really went above and beyond to help me develop as a person. However, because both of my parents, we're not given emotional tools as children. You can't give somebody what you don't have. My parents were unable to give me some emotional intelligence tools because they did not have them to give. They didn't know how to help me regulate my emotions because they didn't know how to regulate theirs. They didn't know how to be empathic because sometimes they weren't, in touch with their own feelings and they would project their own emotions about a situation onto me instead of listening to my feelings about something. So there's a whole spectrum of parents here. Your parents may have been anywhere on that spectrum from like really abusive to really tried their hardest to do great, but didn't have emotional skills to be able to meet your needs. And they just left you hanging. You may have needed comfort or help with emotional regulation or validation, and they just weren't there. It could be that they either physically weren't there because they either worked a ton or they had a busy position at church. I know in Mormonism, I've heard stories of people talking about themselves as a child and being like, you know, I often felt sad because my mom was the Relief Society president, which is like the leader of the women's group for those of you who didn't grow up with Mormonism, but like she was the leader of women's worship. And so she was so busy with that. like She wasn't home for me. And I felt lonely and I felt sad. And when I tried to express that, I was told, oh, that's silly. I'm here. It's fine. I make you dinner. But they weren't there emotionally because all of their emotions and time and attention and it felt like the women in the church came before their own kids. This may have even happened if you grew up in a family where there were a lot of kids. Let's say you had, you know, eight siblings. Your mom may have been busy, like physically busy with your younger siblings or with a child in your family that had um, emotional needs or physical needs that kind of went above and beyond the norm. And you may have felt like you had to fend for yourself, that your needs weren't important, that your siblings' needs were more important, or that you just got such little time with your parent because they were so busy with such a huge family that you just kind of learned to fend for yourself. So they might either be physically absent or they might not be emotionally there. So maybe they're going through depression and it makes them check out. Maybe they have a personality disorder that makes them unable to empathize. Maybe they were addicted to something. Maybe they were addicted to prescription medications or to just being busy uh, to the praise and validation like we talked about in some of our episodes last year to the praise and validation of the congregation. And so they, they numbed in ways that kept them from being able to be emotionally present with you. And this doesn't mean that what happened to you is okay or that you're not allowed to feel hurt by what happened. In fact, acknowledging and caring for the hurt you felt because of the emotional neglect can be an important part of learning to give yourself validation and emotional care you need to heal. So it can be true. Both things can be true at the same time. That your parents did their best, even if their best sucked. That your parents did the best with the tools And the understanding and the belief system that they had, and you were hurt deeply by it. Both things get to be true at the same time. So often we want to get into that black and white thinking, that all or nothing binary thinking of either my parents were good people or they were bad people, either my needs were valid or they were not valid. These things can exist at the same time. My parents had. Reasons, valid reasons that they didn't show up for me the way I deserved, because you did deserve to have a parent that could pass on those skills to you, that could validate your emotions and help you feel important. And you were hurt by that. And that gets to be true at the same time. They can do their best with what they have, and we can understand that. And we can still be hurt and need care and comfort and validation. Both of those things can be true at the same time. And our parents can be both good and bad, right? They can be light and dark because we all are. There can be things that our parents did really well and we feel really grateful for. And there can be things that they really sucked at. Both of those things can be true at the same time. And I'm noticing inside myself, and you may or may not be ready for this information. So, you know, take it with what you will. I'm noticing inside myself, the more I learn to have empathy for my parents, for the position they were in, what they went through as children, the emotional distress that they underwent, the reasons they made decisions that they made, the more I'm able to have empathy and compassion for them, which did not come until after I had processed anger and resentment and hurt and done a lot of care on myself, that had to come first. I did not arrive. I want to make that clear. I did not arrive at compassion for my parents quickly. I had to take care of me and my wounds. I had to do some reparenting for me first. But as I've reparented myself and those wounds are less tender, I'm finding myself feeling a lot more compassion for the people who raised me. I'm finding myself feeling a lot more like understanding. It doesn't make what happened to me okay. And it doesn't make my hurt invalid. It doesn't make the years that I spent angry and resentful stupid. Those were necessary for me to arrive here at this point. And as I'm I think able to look at them through a clearer lens as like a full human as I'm able to see them as both light and dark doing their best even when their best sucked. It's giving me permission to be an imperfect parent because there is no way as I'm healing my own trauma, I know this. There is no way I am passing on a perfect childhood to my kids. That is not happening. I'm having to heal myself as I'm parenting children. That means I'm Accidentally, probably passing on some childhood emotional neglect to my kids because I definitely went through depression after having kids. I went through a religious transition after having kids, and I've been processing all of these things. And I can have compassion for that part of myself while working to do better. So, having that compassion for me allows me to be in this really funky place that all of us are in. We're in this really funky place of breaking generational trauma because our parents are the way they are because of the trauma they received as children. So we're breaking generational trauma and we are trying to parent the next generation in a way that's healthier. We're doing both of these things simultaneously. That's super difficult. We're not superhuman. So learning to have that compassion and empathy for ourselves allows us to be in this space where we receive trauma as children and we're trying not to pass that on to our kids. We're going to accidentally pass some of it on. But we can develop skills that we will be talking about this year about healthy conversations with our kids. How do we help our kids become trauma resilient? How do we continue to maintain healthy relationships with them? How do we help them become emotionally intelligent and advocate for themselves? Like so many good things coming. But it starts here. It starts with me recognizing that I am both light and dark and that my needs are valid, all of them. And that my parents also are light and dark. I find that, that that piece of recognizing the humanity in our parents really does help with our own parenting with our kids. This does not mean forgiving our parents. We will be talking about forgiveness this year too, because I think that that's a big. A big challenge for many of us. So this does not mean forgiveness. It means like a level of acceptance. Like this is who you are. And it makes sense to me that you are this way. It's unfortunate that you are this way. And it's unfortunate that it hurt me in these ways. But this is who you are and it makes sense. And it allows us to like just kind of accept who we have. Now, before we really dig into how we work with childhood emotional neglect, because that's where we're going with this. We're gonna really dig into like, how do I work through these pieces of me that deeply believe I'm not allowed to want and need things and that I can't trust others to step up and help me and support me whenever I need that. And I feel unsafe with other people and I'm worried that they'll reject me or abandon me. We're gonna be talking about that today. But before we do that, this Wednesday is our first live discussion for monthly donors to the podcast. We're going to be delving deeper into today's topic. We're going to be learning to apply it in real time. Yes, there will be some coaching happening in this call, as well as answering questions about any past episodes. If you want that extra support, as well as that sense of community that comes with weekly discussions, please head over to emancipateyourmind.org and make a monthly donation of any amount. All donations are tax deductible in the United States and monthly donors receive additional exercises, tools, and journal prompts in their email every Monday, correlating with each podcast episode so that you can get the most benefit each week. If this sounds like support you'd like in your life, pause the podcast and just head over to emancipateyourmind.org and donate now, whatever amount. You would like to donate if you'd like to be included in this next discussion please also send me an email after you donate with the title i donated so that i can get you the information for the call the email address is terry at emancipatedcoaching.com and i'm going to put all those links in the show notes for easy access i know this is a little clunky right now we are working with the tools and the widgets we have in the website on mormon discussions as best we can We are working on solutions to streamline this in the future. But for now, make the donation, then send me an email that says I donated so I can get you the information and get you on the email list so you get all those extra benefits before I get the next list on the 5th of the next month. Okay, let's delve into this childhood emotional neglect. So some of the main reasons it's so difficult for survivors of childhood emotional neglect to identify their wants and needs, we are just going to focus on that today, are we really struggle with self-compassion. It requires empathy to recognize someone's needs and work to support them in meeting those needs. This includes when we're trying to recognize and meet our own needs. I'm gonna be drawing a lot from licensed marriage and family therapist, Katie Morton. She has a channel on YouTube. I love it. Please go follow it if you would like to hear more about childhood emotional neglect and a whole bunch of other mental health topics. She says, we may struggle with self-compassion, which makes sense. It's an obvious side effect of emotional neglect, right? If no one has ever offered us support and compassion, or nurtured us and showed us what that looks like, we have no knowledge of how to give it or how to do it. In order for us to get in touch with our wants and needs, we have to be able to sit with ourselves without judgment, to allow discomfort, and to work through emotion. Because emotion is sort of the channel that we communicate to ourselves what we like and don't like, what we want, what we need, where our boundaries are. And if that hasn't been modeled for us, of course, it will be difficult for us. That doesn't mean we're stuck here forever. It's not like we only had one shot in childhood to learn how to do these skills, but If we've kind of unconsciously gotten to this point and didn't realize, oh, I struggle to have empathy with myself and I don't know how to do that. If we've just been kind of living in a numb state or a dissociated state, or if we lived in cultures where having wants and needs was not okay, of course it makes sense that we we don't know how to access that yet. We haven't learned those skills. And everything that we're talking about today is not something you're either born with or not born with or that you're given in childhood or not given. These are skills we can learn as adults. It will take time, it will take practice, it will take patience, but we can learn them. We can give ourselves the things that we needed in childhood in order to become healthy, well-functioning, deeply connected adults. We can learn all of it but it will take some time and patience and practice. Another struggle for those who have experienced childhood emotional neglect is a struggle with feeling numb. Because we weren't taught how to feel through our feelings, we stuffed them deep. We put them under lock and key. I mean, they are down in the basement and they are hidden. We may have learned that there were no okay emotions. I have talked to so many of you that have listened to my episodes on like anger or grief, and you've said, you know, you said that anger wasn't okay for you to feel, but no emotions were okay for me to feel. I've had several people tell me even joy was considered sinful. Too much joy, sinful. Too much sadness, sinful. Too much fear or anger or resentment, like definitely sinful feelings. Pride, feeling proud of work that you've done, sinful. So if you were in a religious community or a family where emotions were considered sinful, yeah, you stuffed that crap down. And you learned that none of your emotions were okay. So you never learned how to connect with any of them. You learned how to thought stop them and stuff them. So when you have emotions come up now, your body learned how to shove them way down by weighing them down with this like heavy blanket of numbness. And after a while, that numbness starts to feel like a void. It starts to feel like an emptiness inside. So if this sounds like you, you may think that you feel nothing, but actually you are feeling things just underneath that numb, empty feeling. That numb, empty feeling is like a weighted blanket that's comforting you right now and keeping you from the pain your body thinks you'll feel, that overwhelm that it thinks you'll feel. If you allow yourself to feel through things, which kind of brings me to my next one, which is emotional overwhelm. Those of us who experienced, you know, childhood, I'm just going to call it CEN. Those of us who experience CEN, it really is so much easier. Now I know why a lot of people who talk about this just resort to CEN. Childhood emotional neglect is a big mouthful. Those of us who experience that, we can get really easily overwhelmed by our emotions Or our experience because we don't know how to feel through and work with our emotions. So usually what this looks like is we're unaware. Maybe we feel numb or like that empty void. And then suddenly we're like raging angry. Or suddenly we're like crying in public or crying at work. It's like we feel nothing. We feel nothing. We feel nothing. And then the dam breaks. And then we have these huge overwhelming emotions. And then we feel scared by that because it doesn't make sense to us. And we feel embarrassed by it and maybe even ashamed. And then we put the lock and key back on that, put that weighted blanket of numbness back on top. And then we live in this like empty space. So we vacillate sometimes between like empty, I don't feel anything, and then like explosive, really confusing emotion. And often the emotion is like out of proportion to whatever it is we experienced because we haven't processed things in the past so emotional overwhelm and emotional dysregulation this is what's going on another thing that we might experience is a sense of unhealthy independence katie morton says we may have an unhealthy independence because we feel like we can't count on anyone but ourselves we have to do everything on our own because we don't trust other people to show up and do what we need So we have a really hard time asking for help and allowing people to help us. When our whole lives we've been surrounded by people who've let us down, haven't listened to us, or have told us we aren't enough, or who weren't able to care for themselves and we had to care for them, and our emotions and needs just kind of went uncared for, we learn that the only person we can trust is ourselves. We also rationalize and discount the people that are already in our lives offering us support and help because like, we'll say things like, oh, well, they have to do that or, oh, they feel guilty or whatever. We, we don't attribute to them a desire to actually be there for us. It's hard for us to believe that people actually want to be in our lives to support us and to love us. That's a really hard concept for us to wrap our heads around. And so... We keep everyone at arm's length. In fact, what you might do, this is my own personal experience from a decade ago. I noticed, well, and I even notice this sometimes now, I noticed that I kept healthy people who wanted to have healthy connection with me, who wanted to validate my feelings, see all of me, love and support me. I kept them at arm's length because that felt really foreign. And I didn't fully trust their motivation. And I was afraid that if I like leaned on that and trusted that, that I was going to get real hurt. So I kept that far away. But I let in all the people that had tons of needs and drama in their life. And I would try to caretake all of these people because all of us need connection. Okay? It is a human need. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, we need connection with someone. So. I needed connection and I felt safe and comfortable connecting with others by meeting their needs, by supporting and helping them, but I didn't trust other people to do that for me. So I chose friends subconsciously but on purpose that needed me but couldn't in turn meet my needs because them trying to meet my needs felt unsafe because if i trusted them to meet my needs they could let me down they could disappoint me they could walk away they could reject me they could abandon me and that felt really scary to me so i chose people in my mind i i call it emotional vampirism so people who needed a lot from me emotionally so i was giving and giving and giving emotionally but never getting my needs met because the people i let into my life it was a one-way street. I was there for them when they were in crisis, but I didn't share my own cuz they didn't ask and it honestly felt unsafe to me even if they did ask. So, healthy people in my life that wanted give and take relationships actually felt really unsafe to me. It's it's frankly a miracle to me that Kevin and I were able to navigate a relationship that was give and take considering that this was a dynamic I had 12, 13 years ago and we've We had to grow with that. Like he had to be so patient with me to help me like open up and allow him to know me and to really support me and and be there for me. And it took a lot of work on my part to trust him, to rely on him and to be healthily interdependent with him, right? To take care of my own stuff, but be there as a support for him while he took care of his and vice versa. That has been a dance we've been perfecting now for a while of figuring out like what is mine and what is yours and then how do I support you with your stuff and how do you support me with my stuff without us taking ownership of that and I've learned a lot in my relationship with him that I'm now getting to apply to friendships super imperfectly. We're going to be talking about friendships and community too. I've learned a lot. I have a lot to learn. I'm going to be bringing in experts for that because I think we all need help with that. When we have experienced childhood emotional neglect, it's really difficult for us to let people in and we become super independent. Yeah, really difficult. If you're there, I feel you. This is still something that I'm healing and working through um, and just getting curious with myself about. And every year it gets a little bit better. And that's how this is going to go as we're figuring out what we want and need, we recognize, okay, that's a pattern. We get curious with it. We heal one or two things. We improve one or two things. We try some things on and it gets a little bit better. And then cumulatively over time, it gets better and better and better. We're able to show ourselves more. We're able to trust people more because we're able to trust ourselves more. We've created a better relationship with ourselves. I feel like the struggle with unhealthy independence really goes with this sensitivity to rejection. And the reason we feel really uncomfortable sharing our wants and our needs is sometimes we're afraid people are going to leave us because we felt constantly rejected. If we came to our parents and were asking for support and care, if they were like, you're too much, or that's not important, or sit down and shut up. We can feel very sensitive in our lives to anyone putting us down or not wanting us around or feeling like they don't accept us because it can remind us of what our childhood was like. And that can be really triggering. And this can be true even if somebody just says, I don't feel like going out for coffee today. I'm going to stay home. It might feel like a personal rejection by even admitting like, I want to go to coffee. Do you want to come with me? If somebody says, I don't really want to go to coffee today, it can trigger these childhood wounds. Where we feel like they're rejecting us personally and we're not worthy and that they think poorly of us when actually they just don't want to go to coffee. That's it. They're saying no to coffee, not no to us. But because of this trauma from our childhood, which is really what it is, we feel like if someone doesn't show up in the way that we want them to... Let's say, for instance, I share something and it is too much for the person that I share with. That doesn't mean that my needs are too much. It just means that they don't have the capacity to handle my needs at that moment. And that was true for your parents too. But as children, we try to problem solve by creating a story of why things are the way they are. And often, we are the star of the story. So it's our problem. We're the thing that's wrong. We're the reason that things happen. And so when we're growing up, if we have huge needs, and even if no one ever says you're too much or I can't handle your needs, if they're not meeting them, that's often the message we get is I'm too much. You know, people can't handle me. I'm too needy. And so we don't share things with people because we're so afraid that they're going to see us as needy or too much or... Clingy. And really, what's happening is you're not too much or too needy or too clingy. But the person you're sharing that with just might not have the spoons to meet your need. They might not have the emotional ability to be there for you and support you the way that you need. So it's not that you're the problem. It's just that, you know, the combination of your need and their ability to meet the need just isn't a fit. Right. My son and I recently had an interaction where he was having a huge emotional experience. And because of some things that had happened earlier in the day, I was really triggered and I wasn't able to be there for him. It actually triggered childhood trauma for me, this experience that was going on. And in the moment, because I was getting into fight or flight super quickly, I had the presence of mind to just say, I need to slow this down. I'm super triggered. I'll be back in a minute and left. And so I left and I, you know, did some deep breathing exercises in the bathroom. I turned on the fan so I couldn't hear anything and just, you know, like sat with my inner self, calmed my breathing, slowed things down. And when I came back outside, he was like, were you saying I was being too much that you can't handle me? You need me to be like all even kill. And I said, no, your emotions are valid. They make sense. I want to be there to support you. And I was triggered. I was like, both of those things are valid. I said, so I couldn't be a support for you right at that moment because I was triggered and I was in fight or flight and I was going to make it worse. So I tried to communicate as best as I could. I need to leave for a minute and care for myself first, and then I'll come back. And he was like, oh, And I said, I'm sorry if I didn't communicate that well enough that I'm coming back. I'm not rejecting you. I just have to care for me first so that I can be there for you. And so, you know, we opened up a conversation where we were able to like go through what he experienced just then, which felt like emotional rejection. It felt like I was saying he was too much. It felt like I was saying he was too needy and that he needed to just sit down and shut up. Not at all what I was saying, I was triggered and I needed to go take care of my own feelings and like get myself back in a regulated state so that I could be there with him and work through his feelings. So that's like a good example of his feelings were totally valid, his experience totally valid and I actually wanted to be there for him and I was also triggered with my own childhood trauma, needed to go care for myself. The cool thing is though, is that when we've done this work for ourselves, are we going to have moments like that with people we care about? For sure. But we come back and say, hey, I'm back. I have emotionally regulated myself and I'm here. How can I help you and support you and help you process this? And by the end of our conversation, it took like five, 10 minutes. We processed through his feelings he had just had because I had to leave the room and help myself first. I had to put on my own oxygen mask first. We were able to process those feelings, validate those, help him understand that he's not too much. And I also get triggered sometimes because of my own trauma, which means I'm going to have to care for myself. Like both of our needs are valid in that moment. And like, I'm here now, let's process what you were going through before. So we were able to work through not only the feelings he had about me being triggered and having to leave his worries about being rejected or being too much. And we were able to process what happened in the first place that kind of brought this huge emotional snowball home with him from school. At the end, we felt more connected, you know, and I've checked in with him since for a couple of days and said, hey, you know, going back to that incident that happened a couple of days ago, has anything else come up for you that you feel like you need to talk about? I'm here for it if anything comes up. I want to hear what you're experiencing or feeling. So if anything else comes up, I'm I'm here to listen and to validate and to talk to you. So we can be sensitive to rejection because we didn't have anyone doing that for us. And unfortunately, we are that chain breaker, the the person that's in between the generational trauma we inherited and experienced as children. So we're caring for that child part of ourselves while we're caring for children and, you know, both of them need care and and we can do that. And the last struggle that those of us who experienced childhood emotional neglect, C-E-N, I've got to remember to use that because it is so much easier, is we have recurring shame. And I think that that's pretty apparent with everything we just talked about. But there is a deep sense of shame that we're flawed or broken. And we sometimes deeply believe that how we feel and what we need isn't valid or important because we're flawed. So again, as children, we need to make sense of the world. And because we are egocentric as children up to a certain age, like the world revolves around us. And you talk to any three-year-old, even five or six-year-old, the world revolves around them. Like I remember one of my earliest memories, my grandparents, you know, were teaching me my colors with my M&Ms and we were, you know, sorting them out and my grandfather was at work and my grandma asked me she was like do you know where granddad is and I said yeah he's at work so he can buy me M&Ms like in my head I still remember thinking that my grandpa went to work specifically to buy me treats and goodies that that's what I thought that was the story in my head granddad goes to work so I can have treats we do the same thing with our parents not meeting our needs we say my parents aren't meeting my needs because there's something wrong with me. And it can lead to this really deep kind of dull sense of shame underneath it all. This feels like a really good place to stop for today. I feel like we've really dug into what childhood emotional neglect is and how it's affecting us today. And we've talked about why this is such a struggle and what we're experiencing inside of ourselves when we struggle to admit our wants and needs to ourselves or to share those with other people and why maybe we keep supportive people really far at arm's length instead of allowing them in and maybe why we engage in imbalanced or unhealthy relationships instead. I look forward to talking more about this with you on Wednesday. This is a really important topic. And I want to hear about your personal experiences and how this is affecting you. And we can all talk about this together and heal together and really understand what's happening under the surface. Remember, acknowledging what's happening under the surface gives us a lot of power. And it gives us the ability to recognize our patterns and to change them if we want. Also, before we leave, don't forget that today is the first day of the Beyond the Wound Summit. It is a virtual summit that goes for the next three weeks. We're going to be covering all kinds of topics on understanding and healing trauma, creating community, becoming the healthiest version of yourself. I will be speaking on week two about rooting into your own inner authority and trusting that. But I also get to host a live panel discussion on week two, so that's January the twenty second. I'm going to be interviewing Joe Lewiman, Dr. Mark Harris, and Dr. Laura Anderson. They have books coming out on topics that are going to be super interesting. I'm reading the manuscript for Dr. Mark Harris right now, and it is about. Healing from hell indoctrination, which I know so many of you have been looking forward to resources like this. I've been looking for a resource like this, and what I've read so far is so good. So please come and join us for that discussion if it sounds like something that would be supportive for you and use the discount code podcast20 to get 20% off of your ticket for listening to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I will see you next Sunday.